So welcome to today's podcast where I'm joined by none other than the famous Charles Float, um, who has not been on videos for a while now. So it's a great um a great chance to hear of an update about Charles, what he's been doing, some of the things that he's finding with some of the most recent updates and, and everything else. So Charles, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Craig. It's good, good to be back on uh, some live streams and some YouTube stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, always a pleasure, always a pleasure. So you are in Thailand right now, mm -hmm. um, enjoying it. How's the, just first before we go into SEO stuff, how's the COVID thing over there? Is it like no one giving a fuck over there? No, but it's um, it's been, there's no really any cases here. We haven't had a case in months, in my region at least. Um, and then the whole country, I don't think, has had one in two months. The, the only cases that we had in like the last um, half a year, basically, were mostly from the Egyptian embassy not declaring some travellers who had been to China. Um, and then they came in, they didn't declare they'd been to China, didn't quarantine. And then they loads of infections spawned from them just going around Bangkok and stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the actual the Thai government has handled it pretty well, to be honest. Maybe not the, the economy so well. Um, but lockdown and stuff, they've really locked down. Like every everyone was, um, you know, there's a curfew implemented um, in January. There was flights cancelled from January. All flights from China were cancelled on like January 2nd or something. Um, so so the, the ties weren't really affected by it uh, at all. In our entire region, since um, it's begun in December, we've had 52 cases. So it's it's not really affected us too much. Uh -huh. And now we're, we're pretty free, like we can go out do anything we want. But everyone wears masks anyway. Yeah, um, and, and Chiang Mai specifically. Sorry to draw this out, but Chiang Mai specifically got really lucky because we um, have burning season in January and February. So normally the farmers burn stuff, and, and everyone wears masks anyway. So we were the only city um, in the whole of Southeast Asia to have a surplus of masks during COVID. So we had more masks than we even needed to <laughs> at the start, and everyone was wearing them anyway, and everyone stayed inside anyway because it was burning season. And yeah, it was quite crap. So, um, so hasn't really affected us and everyone kind of stuck to the rules and, and it, it, it panned out pretty well. Sensible people, sensible people. But um, so we'll go on to obviously you and um, what you've been doing recently. I've seen um, you, you're obviously still active on Twitter, which I think is the only platform where you are um, and you have remained active for a while. And obviously you've got courses and various other bits and bobs um, that you've been doing. Um, I'm going to ask you a question um and you might or might not be able to answer, answer it but obviously you've focused solely on twitter um and one of the biggest things is there's so much noise from social media so like when i log on i've got 10 messages in facebook 10 messages in twitter 10 in instagram 10 here there everywhere skype popping off whatsapp's popping um and it's just a whole lot of noise so how have you found the scaling back on your social media videos and you know obviously facebook's and everything else in in terms of productivity how's that working yeah so um at the start of also at the end of last year um i was really struggling with all the communication all the messages and stuff i was having i i did a um calculation where i took um one random day on a tuesday in december and just saw how many individual people messaged me on that day. And I had nearly 190 individual conversations in one day with people. Um, and obviously that is a huge amount of time and a huge time sink and things. 
Um, and then mixed with like health issues and business issues and stuff and me selling my company and wanting to sell my Facebook group. Um, I just thought, okay, how can I limit the amount of ways people, I still want people to be able to contact me, of course, because I don't want to just disappear. Um, but I don't want as many people contacting me. Um, so I deleted my WhatsApp and made a new one that only my family and like close friends had access to. Um, I deleted my Skype, I deleted my Slack, I deleted my Facebook, I deleted my, um, I temporarily suspended my LinkedIn. I did loads of stuff just to, just to limit the amount of conversations down to email and Twitter. And that was it. That was the only two ways you could contact me. And my conversations went down from like 100, that 180, 190 average in December to 20 in January. So I had like this huge reduction of, of daily conversations and it actually freed up hours of my day every single day. And the ROI from the conversations wasn't necessarily the best. Yes, maybe I am missing out on certain opportunities and things because I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> but realistically, the overwhelming amount of opportunities that I am uh, bombarded with every day that aren't realistic opportunities is worth just being off of those platforms and removing yourself and just concentrating on um, the, the places where people can access you and the, and the people that want to access you and follow you will stick to you wherever you are, right? It doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. And then you, and then I'm also building this whole new audience on Twitter, um, which is going after more white hat SEO people, more beginner focused people. And then there's this whole audience called Money Twitter, um, which is spawned from COVID. Um, yep. So this whole, whole side of like side hustle Twitter, where people flip things on eBay, they sell, um, they, they, they buy and sell through marketplace and for, uh, Facebook marketplace and forums. Um, they sell course on Gumroad, you sell training, you do consulting, you do literal physical services. Um, all of this basically building your own business away from a nine to five job. I've tried to be the SEO face of that side of mm -hmm. Twitter and I've done a pretty good job of it. If you go on Gumroad and, and put an SEO, I'm four of the top five SEO courses on Gumroad right now, um, which is showing a, a pretty, uh, awesome turnaround from that um and if you put in SEO on twitter i think i'm number two which is pretty cool just from twitter search um so there's it's always nice to be an seo and rank at the top of other search engines aside from google <laughs> it always feels good yeah no it's, it's always a competition i remember back in the day when linkedin used to have like the table where you ranked amongst your peers yeah. um and i was actually like paying a guy on fiverr um <laughs> get me more views and all that kind of stuff so that I could be in that top. You know, I, I wasn't obsessed yeah. with the top, but I think give yeah. us any kind of competition and we're, um, yeah. you know, scrapping over it, which is... Especially um, in a list format. I swear, SEOs just have a thing of being at the... They have been number one in that list. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's weird. It's, it's a weird disease to have. <laughs> but yeah, we've all got it. But on the gum road stuff that you mentioned um you you've done a few courses uh and stuff mm -hmm. like that tell us a bit about what those courses are because i know you've got is, is it like seven or eight out there yeah so, so at the again it's all spawned from covid um a lot of people were complaining especially beginners or um people who wanted to swap from like agency jobs because they've been let go from because of COVID or that wanted to swap from one field of SEO that they were specializing in that was no longer as profitable, like local maybe to affiliate um, or something like that. But there, there were all these courses out there, but the minimum entry price is like $500, maybe $1,000 for most of the SEO courses. There was nothing really except from 
Udemy, which is just trash. Like, let's be honest yeah. here. Um, there's there's not much on there that's going to give turn you into a very good SEO realistically. And also, Udemy as a platform itself is terrible as a creator because I don't know if you know this but they have automatic sales and automatic discounts applied to your courses that you have no control over. They might just decide that, okay, today your course is now 95% discounted and you have no say whether it's gonna be that price or not. Um, so it's just really frustrating to why you'd ever wanna work with them. Um, and then when I went on to Gumroad, there was a few other people on there, um, Dan Ray, Christina, who I can't pronounce her second name because she's Greek and it's, it's, a, it's an amazing second name, but. We do not have the ability to pronounce that. Um, and a couple other people on there, but they weren't really heavily promoting on there. Um, and there wasn't really anything up to date. So I kind of, um, I was already on Gumroad from previous stuff where after the Chiang Mai SEO conference, I would create, um, I would turn my slides from mainly the Chiang Mai conference, but also like the other conferences that I speak at and other presentations that I give into one um, kind of end of the year course where I'd collate all of my findings and all of my information from that year into like a hundred dollar product. Um, and I thought that pricing was really good. I thought that the lower end pricing allowed you to get loads of sales um, and it allowed um, people who maybe were having to save up like a $3,000 course to just immediately not have to worry about that expenditure. Um, and a lot of SEOs are like that. If they see something for $50, um, $100, they'll just go and buy it because it's there's probably going to be something in there that is a golden nugget that's going to be worth that $50, $100 in the next six months. Um, so I, I came in with a three-phase plan of I wanted to make a product that was affordable to everyone who had just lost their job and who had um, just... Uh, who's just starting out an SEO, who had lost their jobs from other things as well, who wanted to have a different start in a different industry. Um, I wanted to create something that was accessible to everyone anyway, who wanted to just, who was probably a veteran, um, but could just pick up those one or two bits that didn't want to spend $2,000 to pick up those one or two bits. Yeah. Um, and three third, I wanted to create um, multiple courses around the different topics rather than just having one that covers everything that maybe someone only is going to get 40% out of because they don't need the PBN stuff or they don't need the local stuff or they don't need that stuff. So they can go in and they can pick and choose which courses they need. Um, so that was my three master plan goals of uh, creating this Gumroad courses. And then it kind of spawned into something way more than I thought. Like the, the amount of people that came in and wanted access to all of this stuff was way higher than I thought. I thought maybe, you know, I'd do like 300 400 sales of the first ebook, which is SEO Side Hustle. Um, mm -hmm. It did like 2,000 in the first week. <laughs> so, I, so I was just like, hmm, okay, so there's a lot more of an audience and it's actually a lot bigger than this year than it has been any years prior. And at the same time, um, a few other people know this um, and they know that I, at the start of last year, um, along with DFI, DFI worries, I invested quite heavily into my travel niche affiliate websites, which is part of my travel portfolio. Um, and I spent like tens of thousands of dollars on my travel portfolio only for January to be a, I think we earned about 12,000 or $15,000 in revenue from these travel sites in January, but bear in mind, some of them might be from December. And then in February, we earned 30 pounds. So, <laughs> so the drop is unlike anything I have ever seen in my, entire life um so that really hurt as well so i just really went in hard i kind of got disheartened from affiliate stuff just with covid going on and things being so 50 50 with industries being up and everywhere that i really focused on the gun road because it was going so well um and then i started creating this 
product roadmap of all the different products I've got. So I've got free stuff on there. I've got premium stuff on there. Um, and like I said, now I'm like the number one seller on Gumroad. I'm becoming one of the number one creators for Gumroad in, in general. I am Nick Eubanks, who is um, a friend of mine and a friend of Craig Tommy as well. Uh, he referred me to the owner of Gumroad. So I now have a potential meeting with him soon, which will be very interesting to see where we can go um, because I have a lot of uh, ideas for Gumroad as a platform um, and also just a lot of feedback to give him in general for that customer base because a lot of people don't know this but um, about 20% of my sales or so right now are from Gumroad itself so like yeah. people searching in SEO on Gumroad or people going into Gumroad's categories and finding me through them and Gumroad have actively been promoting me through their own ads and through their own email lists and things and stuff because I'm one of their creators um, so it's it's an awesome platform um, and it's just been uh, a joy to work with this year in comparison to a lot of the other stuff that has been happening due to COVID. Um, so, I've, so I've been really, really blessed really to uh, have this situation right now. Yeah. So for anyone listening that wants to um, have a look at what Charles has got to offer on Gumroad, there will be a link just below the video. Um, so you can go and have a look at the, the stuff that is available there at present. Um, on to the next thing that I want to discuss is my channel sponsor. I keep always getting this finger all over the place, but ODYS Global. I think it's um, me here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, ODYS, um, you are aware of them. They're right up your street in terms of age domains and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, affiliate websites and everything else. So have you had any experience, you know, have you used them as a platform, ever get any domains from them? Yeah, so I actually know the owner of Otis um, from before Otis was a thing. Uh, his name's Alex Drew, shout out to Alex. Um, he was referred to me by James Dooley. Um, prior to them ever doing Otis, I think I might have bought a domain or two off of him directly because he was one of the UK's top domains, probably even the world's top domain sellers before launching Otis, which is when he actually went and got funding um, to be able to launch Otis, to be able to get like a bigger domain inventory, to be able to do all the platform setup, et cetera, et cetera, and build the DFY sites, um, as well as the fact that Otis and myself are actually working on a project um, together. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be releasing a course, which will be uh, a much cheaper course to what I normally release, even to the $100 pricing, I think it's gonna be like $37, $47, which is ridiculously cheaper than it should be. Um, because Otis have actually gone and sponsored the course and given me a, a huge upfront budget and a huge, um, an expensive domain that I can build off of. Um, so basically I am going onto their platform and I'm building a niche affiliate website from scratch. Um, and I'm showing you how you can do it in a multitude of ways. Um, as well as all the intricacies that I've been doing this year to build affiliate sites. Um, so as well as like niche research, analysis, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, it's an affiliate SEO course on um, aged expired domains, but for a fraction of the cost of what you would normally pay because Otis have been kind enough to sponsor it and help me out um, with getting the domains, et cetera. Um, as well as you're going to have all the information from Otis themselves about domaining and about picking from their marketplace. Um, and there's also like a discount code, I think, that they give. Yeah. Oh, you? <laughs> uh, well, they give yeah. bonus and everything. So, I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's all sorts depending on where you go through discount mm -hmm. bonuses. All sorts. They are a generous bunch. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's honestly one of the best platforms in the world. And if you are new and you don't and you're going to go and buy a domain 
and you and you know that you're going to spend two thousand, three thousand, four thousand dollars on a domain, don't go and buy it yourself. Like, go and speak to the professionals. Give yeah. them a call. He will speak to you for fifteen minutes, and he will recommend you exactly what you're going to need. This is the reasons why. This is the topical relevancy of this, that, and the other. Um, and Alex knows pretty much every domain on his marketplace. It's nuts. Like, if you tell him a domain, he's going to be like, "Oh yeah, that's the turtle one in Spanish." You're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's he, they're a really good bunch of guys. If you need domains, then I recommend going through them. Um, yeah, you can also, guys, get a link below to go there and you can get a hundred pound bonus um, for signing up if you are accepted. Um, take advantage of their money ASAP because mm -hmm. it might not always be there. But uh, on to other stuff. So obviously you've been doing your Twitter, Gumroad, and uh, stuff like that, but. As an SEO, um, you've always got to remain up to date. You can't just go and do Gumroad and forget about okay. your SEO life, and because you've obviously mm -hmm. done it for a long time. Um, so let's talk about some of the updates that that have happened this year. Um, obviously, you've been slammed at the start of the year with an update that you know, and it wasn't a Google update. You know, the COVID update, which obviously slammed your travel website, which no one can resolve um, no matter how good the SEO you are. But there's been other updates such as the, the kind of May update and there's been, you know, every other day you wake up, there's people moaning, oh, Jesus, have you seen this? Have you seen that? Um, so what's your view on these updates and what have you been doing to resolve them, especially that May update where everyone's seen, you know, a, a fairly sizable dip? Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, the, the, the May update, people saw it dip and they never recovered right so like there, there wasn't um a rollback there wasn't anything like um recoveries from even the medic update people started recovering kind of within days almost um this there's just nothing like this it seems like you have to wait for the next couple of changes um for it to bounce back the the only thing with the may update is that um i put a ton of time into it due to covid affecting my affiliate sites um I also got hit by the May update across nearly half my portfolio. Um, not in, not to an extent where I lost 80% of my traffic, like some people, but I lost 20%, 40%, 50% in some cases. Um, and it does hurt. And so I, and especially with COVID, it really hurt. So, you know, I COVID wiped out like 40% of my affiliate revenue. And then the May update just fucking halved it. So I'm like, back down to like 25% of what I was earning in December. And this is, you know, five months on from PM. It doesn't seem to be coming back. So I put in um, with Eric Lantries as well, who's from My Traffic Research, um, him and a couple other guys like Daniel Cutridge and things. We put a ton of time into analyzing this update. Um, and we came back with three key points that we found. Number one was no follow backlinks becoming way more authoritative. Um, it just seems that overnight, if you had if you didn't have any no-follow backlinks, you were probably doomed. Um, if you hadn't been investing in like your pillar link building and your no-follow links and all of this kind of stuff on top of your guest posts and your niche edits and all that kind of stuff, um, then you are probably going to be tanked, which is a really good way for Google to come in and um, hit those lazy SEOs that just forgot to do the pillow stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, the second thing was redirects being way more impactful. For some reason, um, 301 redirects just seemed to become uh, significantly way, significantly more authoritative. But that is also because um, maybe 
every time there's an update that seems to affect domain authority where the higher your domain authority is the more um you rank the also at the same time seems to affect 301s for some reason this authority complex seems to have something baked into the algorithm where 301s it can't it like either can't handle 301s properly or it doesn't want to do with them or it's just confused um so it just treats them kind of like a normal supercharged backlink um, where it's passing on more juice. So every time there's one of these updates, 301s just seem to go up and they never seem to be hit, which is the case with this one as well. There's tons of them. Um, a site that you can look at is um, petside.com. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've seen it. Um, they have, they're literally all just 301 redirects and they've just gone boom to like 20K organics a month in AHFs in like three months. Um, so, and it's all just mainly, it's written, to be fair, extremely well done through on redirects to rebuilt pages where they got like animal charity domains that have that no longer use that domain, and then three on it to a page that is about this charity. But obviously, then internally links to like money pages and category pages and stuff. Um, but they've done a, a phenomenal job of it. Um, but it's that's just a perfect example of where three on redirects have gone um, haywire. And then um, the third part about the update as well was the um internal linkage usage so sites that had internal links just seem to go up way more uh, way up higher but again it's all down to authority whenever these authority algorithms tend to happen it tends to be links three ones and more links because they're internal links <laughs> those are the main three things that seem to be affected and it always seems to be the case and people are so confused by what's going on with all these algorithm updates and then you just look at it and it's the same thing that happened three years ago <laughs> it's, yeah. but it's just slightly more complex and it's it's better at analyzing what's real and what's natural and etc cetera, etc cetera. um but it's, it's realistically just um i think the people that got hit the most are the ones that were just lazy with not doing the pillar links and not doing the uh not doing the supporting stuff and things that makes sense and obviously people not to have uh you know to have no no follow back links it just does look unnatural you know if you've got 99 percent uh, yeah. follow links it looks a bit suspect so it would make perfect sense for that to to be the case with google and um yeah perfectly logical and, and, and the um other thing as well is thin content so with these updates as well same thing happens again around every authority update um, if you have an authoritative domain, thin content wins. If you have a non-authoritative, low authoritative or authority domain, um, you lose if you have thin content on it. Very yeah. simple. If you can start pumping and churning and burning uh, authority sites, if you've got DR90, you can probably rank for most things right now, um, yeah. which is sad, right? <laughs> like It's just the way the world is. Um, you Google favor authority that much that it, that it becomes a signal of its own that overpowers even niche relevancy, right? Um, yeah. So, it's, yeah, I think it's thin content only wins if you're uh, of a high enough caliber for it to be able to win in that niche. Yeah, no, that's the thing. You know, you know, you look at the likes of POP, for example. If you're doing content and it's pulling in, this page has got you know 800 words and, and whatever, and you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's not really a level playing field because that guy's got 800 words, but he's got a DR70. He's going to. Be this is the problem with all of these tools. They don't. They don't. They don't look at the full picture at all. Nothing yeah. looks at the full picture. The same with like AHFDR and uh, sorry, AHF keyword difficulty. They, for some reason, they only look at the backlinks that page has. In in so there's there's no domain of so there's no domain rank um, or domain authority. There's no like on page. There's nothing. It's just the the links that that page has that is yeah. uh, on, in those SERPs that, that conglomerates the um, 
QDank. The same thing with Pop, the same thing with Surfer. You're only looking at one keyword and it's only giving you recommendations for that one keyword. But are you trying to rank one keyword <laughs> or are you trying to rank a thousand keywords for that page? Um, yeah. And have they all got various different levels of things, you know? So if you're too heavily optimizing for that one keyword, are you not optimizing enough for the other keywords that are going to generate, you know, even if that one keyword has 20K and it's the biggest uh, search volume keyword out of all of them, the other thousand combined have 500K month searches. So, you know, you're potentially losing out on traffic by not optimizing for the other ones. Um, and again, like you said, they don't count the domain authority. They don't count the topical authority with that page. That site has a hundred other pages about that topic, all interlinking and powering it up. All of these kind of things um, that those tools don't really allow you to look at, whereas an SEO can physically see and analyze with their own brain. Um, yeah. So whilst those tools are good benchmarks, don't rely on them. Don't use them systematically because you're going to lose out on potential and opportunities and traffic. Yeah, no wise words so um out with the, the kind of me update what else are you seeing that you know because we've, we've had several other updates in the meantime um and, you know we've seen google updating um and they fuck things up i remember one day looking on the the group chat on yeah. um, that you used to be part of i'm not sure if you're still in there and all the guys are like jeez my sites have all tanked, blah, 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 and they're all fighting. It was like a Sunday morning, and then we got a rollback a day later. Um, what, yeah. what are you making of these updates? What do you think Google are up to? Because obviously the reason well, I'm asking you is guys like you are geeky about this stuff, like Daniel yeah. Cartridge and, you know, the various other guys that you roam around with, you know, are looking at stuff that your average Joe like me probably wouldn't dig that deep into just because I can't be asked, and I'm not that technical, but... Um, I love hearing well, those I think 2020 is definitely the year of if we've got to play the game. Is it an update or is it not? You know, <laughs> is it a Google bug? <laughs> Could be. Um, but it's it's basically the year of patience is a virtue. Um, don't respond automatically. If you're if you've tanked that day, don't start making changes and things that day because it could be a test. So a lot of the time I've seen is Google are looking for sites to make drastic changes just to see the sites that make drastic changes because they know that those are SEOs. They know that they're SEOs that have gone in and be, since this update, 80% of the mess titles on this page have changed and the half the backlink profile has changed because they've edited out sex and all this and stuff. And that's why you nuked. So you've gone down in this update and then you've gone boom because you went overboard. You went absolutely ham and tried to change everything you could that you could possibly find wrong with your entire campaign. And that's all that Google were looking for was that little trigger, that little flash of um, SEO-ness. <laughs> and you basically just have to wait and see and analyze and see what every everyone else is coming uh, out with as well. Try and conglomerate information. Bear in mind that, um, that you, as an individual, you're only gonna have so much resources and so much knowledge and so much depth. A lot of my analysis isn't of my own websites. Um, a lot of my analysis and most of my data isn't from my own website, it's from other people's websites and it's from all this stuff I've uh, built together in my own database. Um, and this shows very, very well when people are coming into me. Um, so sorry, people are coming to me and they said, okay, I have this site, it's dominating this niche, it's doing really well. I tried to copy it into this niche, but it hasn't worked, nothing's working. Like, what, why am I not ranking? This site's making 10K a month, this site's making $90 a month. 
why am I not making any money? And I'm like, well, because it's nowadays the algorithm is so niche focused that you need to be doing the analysis. You need to be doing the research. You need to be making sure that you're on a on a playing field because whilst Google say that they're not comparing your pages to other pages, then how the hell are they building the ranking index? You know, like I don't understand Google statements sometimes because it because they they must be in their head like I'm just going to say this. And SEOs are that Ill computer illiterate that yeah. it's just going to make sense in their head, even though it makes no sense if you tell a web developer that you're not going to compare pages in a ranking algorithm. Um, so there's all of this stuff in between that you have to kind of dissect. Um, and when it comes to reacting to an update, unless you know 110% that is an update, do not react on that day. Just do your analysis, just do your research, just go into the group and argue with people um, because you eventually it will spawn something, right? You're going to get this information that you probably didn't see before. Um, and, and, and generally building that network of people like the WhatsApp group is a really, really uh, vital tool of being able to do this kind of analysis. If you're, if you're going to be the very much so lone wolf SEO, um, good luck to you because it's going to be really difficult because you're going to be on your own. You're gonna to have to do all of this data and all of this analysis and all this finding on your own. And you're not gonna have any of the specialists that are really good at that specific thing. Um, and you're not gonna be able to speak to them and get their direct insight. So I would, as much as I hate to say it, I would wait and sit on your hands a little bit when an update rolls around because um, more than not, it might not be an update and it might just be a test and things might change within the next 48, 72 hours. Um, and then, and then once you know specifically it's an update, once you have your analysis, once you have your research, then you can go and make changes. Um, yeah. You don't want to be, and again, you don't want to be thinking on emotion. You don't want to be thinking about all this stuff that cloud that clear that clouds your actual clear judgment, um, yeah. because otherwise you're going to make bad decisions and you're not going to make the decisions that an SEO should be making. And bear in mind that whilst it's all fun and nice and cool to talk about natural language programming and um, all of this crazy stuff about AI and robots and stuff. Um, at the end of the day, these this intelligence that we're dealing with is still an algorithm and it's not intelligent and you're still having to do computer-based um, marketing methods to realistically be able to rank in the long term. You know, all if you're doing PR, all these unbranded link mentions and things, again, good luck because you're missing out on the 50% of the technical side. So I, so I would, just make sure that you're putting in as much uh, time and effort into your research and analysis as you are into your implementation, basically. Yeah, no, I think we're fortunate enough, um, certainly for the UK guys in the, the kind of WhatsApp group, the, where there's a nice mix of people, um, again, like Daniel Cutteridge, who's going to get another mention, who's insanely um, technical. Um, you had yourself in yeah. there and there's a few other guys that are... Uh, you know, obsessive about that type of thing and will argue all day long and, you know, check, checking out data and stuff. And I think it's great for guys like me to be able to take advantage of um, you know, that. And uh, it's always, you know, as you say, the lone wolf SEO approach and you know everything is is the worst thing. And I think that's what I always do. I just sit back, watch the, the arguments, the debates that go on in some of the chats and uh, and then come to a conclusion probably a few weeks later but sometimes i, I see updates and actually my, my site just you know if it has been slapped a bit um, it does just rise without me touching anything um yeah. you know it does come back but obviously <coughs> as time progresses 
Uh, things do need to be done, and maybe you know I had shit internal links, or maybe you know wasn't doing enough no follow stuff, or whatever it might be. Um, and I, yeah. I think you have to remember with Google's algorithms up uh, with Google's algorithm updates is most years, at least within that year, all of the algorithm updates will be to try and hit a common goal. So they are so as long as, as early on as you can identify what Google's goal is with these algorithm updates. If it's to um, make trust signals more influential, if it's to make um, link diversification more influential, all these different kind of things like HTTPS, random stuff like that. If you can identify the individual signals and come to a common conclusion around what it is Google are trying to achieve with the algorithm updates, generally you can future-proof yourself from the algorithm updates in advance. So if they're doing an update in March, the rest of the year, the updates are probably going to be very similar to the March update. Um, at least the big ones, the core ones are. Um, so as long as you're doing your analysis and stuff at the start of the year and you're and you're pre preparing your site for the rest of the year, you generally don't get hit much. You don't get slapped down. As long as you're sticking all of your stuff and energy at the start of the year, the rest of the year, you can kind of mostly just coast through. Um, aside from when you uh, run into some updates like Medic and, and things. But they, and May update again, but those are generally, um, I'd say Medic and May are the only two updates that have been the most influential in the last um, five years, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nightmares, nightmares. Um, but obviously, in the past year, you've had a massive change. Obviously, you sold the uh, DFY links. You've then went on, you know, you had your invested heavily in your travel thing that's been slammed um, and you said you maybe became a bit disheartened with affiliate and obviously you've come out the other end still making money and i think that that's obviously a great you know achievement but where does your future lie now because you've been basically battered from pillar to post with covid <laughs> your, your you know your sites dropping to you know earning 30 uh, to, to be honest at this point in my career i'm kind of used to it so it's <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 used to I'm just waiting for the next thing you know the the as as I was watching uh, the news the other day and someone said the pandemic in our generation the next pandemic in our generation is a 100% possibility <laughs> and I said well that's a good way to look at things isn't it it's just a 100% possibility 100% possibility of everything getting fucked so if yeah. you look at it from that angle then you can kind of start protecting yourself yeah. in the future. <laughs> So I just I just try and a diversify as much as I possibly can. If I'm getting a huge amount of cash from one thing, and and I've made a really good profit from this one part of my business, I'll try and split that cash into other parts of my business so that I'm going to make more money from these other parts rather than um, facing the risk of sticking it, reinvesting it all back into one thing, and, and that's going to crap. Um, so I've learned to diversify heavily, um, especially in affiliate. Uh, this year with the travel stuff really, really got me to diversify. Um, and then number two, I think it's just um, given me a, a, a sense of um, my time back, I guess. So for like the last five years, I've just I've been working like 80, 100 hours, 110 hours a week, every single week working that long. Um, and it's and that's, you know, Monday, Saturday to Sunday. Sundays and the weekend don't exist when you're in, in our world. Um, so I was, and and you know I'd gone holiday and I'd reset, but I still worked a few hours a day, a day and stuff. And so this year I really wanted to lower my working hours, and part of that was the communication side. So like with 
withdrawing from how many conversations I was having. Um, but part of it was also just um, having more time for myself. And I thought that this year I was going to be able to like travel um, to America because I got my visa for America. I thought I was going to be able to go to Japan. Thought I was going to be able to go and do all this traveling, go and see all these things. Obviously not. I've been stuck in Thailand, which obviously you know people are like, ah, oh, you're stuck in Thailand. What you know, what a dick, you know. Oh, shame. Um, <laughs> could be worse places to be stuck in. That's one hundred and ten percent. But I do have um, this year has obviously, even though I knew that I would have all the time I wanted to be able to put into this business, I still knew that I didn't want to put the time into this business um so i limited myself to working five hours per day every day and if i've hit the five hour limit unless it's a product launch or unless it's like a new site launch or something like that um then i won't go past that, those five hours and i will like physically would like remove myself from the computer and turn my phone off and and uh, go and like try and watch netflix for 15 minutes to realign my thinking back with a normal person and not thinking googlebot um so, <laughs> so i have um so yeah, I've just been really focusing on getting my time back. Um, and that's been really good working 25 hours a week. I'm probably gonna earn um, close to what I did last year, even though I was working like 80, 90 hours a week. Um, yeah. So there's, and I had um, 11 employees in the UK last year and like fucking over a hundred VAs and stuff. And I cut most of that all away <laughs> um, just to rescale down to mostly just me now. And I don't really, I have my like designer, my, um, one of my copywriting guys who's just a beast um and then who edits everything for me and stuff and then um the va manager that shout out to mad singers i got off mads um who is phenomenal um and those are the three people that i really speak to in the business side of things before i would have daily team meetings with people and i would speak to all these employees and all these vas and stuff but i'm but the actual end profit margins and the amount of time and the amount of um, like emotional time, like even when you have employees, you have to deal with their life problems and like, you know, they're in hospital and they're in fucking their mom's died and all this shit. And I know it's horrible, but like it's not my life. <laughs> I'm trying to run a business. I'm trying to sort all this shit out. And I can't also have you crying in my office whilst I'm trying to work in my office, you know. So like, there's all this stuff um, that just made me really hate it. Like, I don't know. Fair play for people that run 500 person agencies because I would not want to be you. Like, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, as I, I spoke to, again, Nick Eubanks, who I mentioned before, but he, he really helped me with the mentoring side. Um, you want in your business as much profitability and as little responsibility as physically possible. <laughs> Those yeah. are the main two things that you want from a business. Um, and that's kind of been my, my driving force for this year and the future, I guess. Those are my two things that I'm going for as much profitability and as little responsibility as possible. That's my future, I think. Would you say, like, obviously, when you had all these staff and, and all that kind of stuff, it's more of an ego thing? Like, yeah, I've got a UK office and I've got these staff, blah, 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 blah. Because I think that for me, when I had an agency, I don't even know why I went down the, the route of having local people because it probably yeah. wanted to sit in the pub with my mate saying, yeah, I've got... 11 boys working for me or whatever you know and you're just like fuck and and you know we've all had those sleepless nights where you're going if this money doesn't drop i don't know how i'm going to pay everyone this week and you well, know the, the fact that i sold 
that physical office and I sold all that stuff in December was a freaking blessing in disguise. Let's be real, because it's a, a month later and um, two of my employees would have had COVID because two of them actually got COVID in January, who was Yudish and another employee. So I would have been potentially having my entire office out of action for at least two weeks, probably longer. Um, not being able to access the office, not being able to go in and access all like the servers that were in there, like all the things like that. So, so getting rid of it was a blessing in disguise, but I do think that, um, I don't think I needed it. Like I realistically, I needed a few of the guys that, um, the rest could have just worked from home. I think maybe we could have set like the manager and, and the, um, head, the heads of each department in one office and just had everyone else remote. Um, yeah. but I think offices just generally cause issues. Um, people don't get, don't get along in person when they do online. Like I, it's really hard. And like, um, a lot of, I wanted to try and go for the younger talent. So I wanted to try and pick up, um, people that were 18, 19, just coming out of college, preferably before they even went to university because university generally change them in a certain way and i wanted to them to learn on their own rather than having like a lecture to tell them how to do everything so um but then that opened up a whole new case for me where i had like these socially kind of awkward guys who couldn't really look girls in the eyes and things like that which becomes a problem when you have female clients coming into the office and they can't talk to them and stuff you know so um there's all these problems that physical office has. And I think 2020 made everyone realize it, like ev really everyone. And um, people that were, had a really successful office, even like Ross Tavendale was saying that he wants to scrap the office completely. And before he was all about a four day office week and all these crazy office and things and stuff. Um, and now he's just like, nope, let's get rid of this completely. We can work online. Um, so, he, so if he, who is the epitome of someone um, that would be running a digital agency out of an office in London, um, wants to scrap it. I think that do, does anyone need it? Not really. You know, <laughs> I think you can, everyone can work remotely. Um, stress is way down. The commute is no, no longer needed. Um, as long as everyone does their work and you can somehow track them remotely, um, you're totally fine. But generally, like my employees and staff, I didn't need to track them. They would, like, they would do their work because they were happy to put in the hours and put in the effort and stuff. Um, it just depends on how you treat yourself as well at the end of the day. Like, what are they going to get out of it at the end? You know, if they're not. Yeah expecting anything then they're not going to put the hours in really because they're just going to look for the next opportunity which is what everyone does that's it that natural uh, human beings just looking for something better but yeah. uh, it's good good that you obviously uh, realize that and i think a lot of people you know have to feel that pain to wake up you know I, i've also um had conversations with ross tavendale and stuff before and i'm like dude you're paying so much for your london office you know, is there any need for it? And I'm just talking about at a bar, you're just like, that's madness. And he's like, no, no, it's it's all good and blah, blah, blah. And then now, you know, you see them going, nah, we, we actually don't need that. And the amount of money these guys must be saving, um, you know, in terms of London offices and, you know, the London wages. And, I, and I was in London and my rent in Sully Hall, which is one of, granted, it's one of the nicer areas outside London to live in, um, was £3,000 per month for like, uh, I think it's like 55 square meters or 65 square meters. Oh, um, exactly, do you know what I mean? And so in London, you're probably talking double for half the space. So oh, it's, it's pain yeah. More than that. Um, yeah, exactly, you know what I mean? Which is insane. <laughs> if, you're, if you're like, that's, 
probably a hundred grand a year on rent. Like yeah. that's two full-time employees at a decent wage. Like you know, that's like you can get some fucking good people for fifty grand a year. Um, and so I have no idea why you would need to. London is just its own economy in my head. I think that's just. Why anyone would want to live over there is just on me. No, it's madness. <laughs> Sorry, when people I, from London. When I look at my office rent, which is just a warehouse that I've got converted, seven grand a year. Um, exactly, and it's yeah. fairly sizable. I've got a training room, I've got an office, I've got table tennis and all that shit. So that's why I've always been like, God, why the hell are you paying that? That's crazy fee. Like, actually, for 100 grand in Scotland, you could get a decent sized house. Um, oh, yeah. Good three bedroom well, house. In Thailand, you can get four beds. Bathroom, maybe a pool. <laughs> I'm always comparing it to like what someone pays for digital. You're just like, fuck, I could buy a house with that, or you know, whatever. So, you could literally probably like for the rent that they're paying in London, you could probably pay for everyone's visas and a house in Th- and buy the house in Thailand, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the rent they're paying in London, like, and where what what productivity levels are you going to get out of people in the sun versus in, in uh, you know, Tottenham, you know. <laughs> exactly. You're scared to go to the shop. Um, <laughs> I see actually Max Donnelly, um, who's building a house in the island next to Bali. Obviously, I've seen Matt Diggity building his house in Thailand, which um, is obviously another smart move. So, yeah, I, I, I look at that stuff uh, with a very, very jealous eye. Um, but obviously, you know. You're out in Thailand. Is it planned to stay there forever, or or what? What's the? Um, so I have so the start of this year, I got my five year visa for Thailand, um, and then the plan. But basically, I paid for my visa. So <laughs> one of the perks of um, being a young, fairly wealthy <laughs> digital nomad is that you can just buy your citizenship and buy your residency in most places. So. <laughs> Um, for fifteen thousand US dollars, you can buy five years in Thailand. Um, for for thirty for thirty thousand dollars, no, for thirty five, you could buy twenty years. But I'm only twenty four, so I wasn't quite ready to commit to twenty years yet. Yeah. Um, so, but luckily, I got my five year visa at the start, and because of COVID, they gave me a six month extension for free. Um, so I actually have five years and six months. So what I'm going to do next year is use the six months when my girlfriend f- finishes university, um, and we're going to go to Cyprus. And just use it as like a base to go around Europe because a lot of my family um, retired to Cyprus, so I have a lot of like my grandma's there, and my my uh, my stepdad's family is there and stuff. Um, so we're going to go and see them, meet all my family um, that, they, that my government hasn't met. They're all in Cyprus, and we're going to use it as a base to fly around Europe. Hopefully, as long as COVID isn't completely taken over 2021 as well. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to use it as a base to fly around Europe, go to the Netherlands. And, in Norway and, and everywhere. So, yeah, so, yeah. another blast in Amsterdam. Um, yeah, Amsterdam, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. It's always a good night out. Um, not that I can remember much of it. Um, I always tell people this story, though, um, that you laced my <laughs> on a space cake. Someone mentioned the space cake. Um, and me, I think it was me and Carol Hudson. Uh, there was a few other guys there, but me and Carol Hudson were naive to the, this kind of culture of taking cakes and shrooms and, and whatever else. So Charles said, I'll go and get you a nice cake and uh, we can back that we'd been drinking for hours on end. And uh, 
that this is my version of the story anyway. Charles can sort it out um, if, if it's on. <laughs> my, my sober version. <laughs> yeah, so this cake comes in and uh, me and Carol Hudson are looking at it and we're like, right, we'll have half each. So we're just grabbing these chunks out of it. But I was picking like the top of the cake, which I thought was like Smarties or something like that. Now, don't ask me why I thought it was Smarties. It just looked like Smarties to me in my head. So I'm just, you know... And you're eating cake with it. It's not like you're just putting these things like you are eating. So it's kind of sweet as well. It was a very clever ploy on my, my and Gary Simpson's part. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at that time, um, I think that night I was in the middle of a, a gay bar um, on the stage dancing. I think you guys had to check in your bags um, and come back like an hour and a half later and I was still in the same spot. <laughs> Pouring <laughs> over my own head. It was quite a, <laughs> <laughs> it was quite an eventful night. So it um, was quite an eventful night for sure. Just to clarify, they weren't actually smarties, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to. I That's the thing about you. You somehow know where to get all these things. He just came back really quickly, as if he just went to some baker's <laughs> and got a real cake, and yeah, it was a. Uh, I, I, I live in, um, or I used to live in Birmingham, and it's um, the most common flight between Birmingham and anywhere else is Amsterdam. So it's every like two hours or three hours you can get a flight from Birmingham to Amsterdam, um, and it's a 40 minute flight. Um, and if you book it six months before, you can get it for 30 pounds, 40 pounds, you know, like $50. Um, so I've been to Amsterdam 40 times, maybe 50 times <laughs> during these. Uh, <laughs> Little uh, excursions to the airport and getting bored on a Thursday or Saturday. <laughs> Why not? You know, you can just fly there, fifty pounds. So, <laughs> so um, I generally know the Amsterdam like the back of my hand um, pretty well, um, and I've and I love the culture. Like, food's awesome. Like the best people in the whole of Europe, probably is, is Amsterdam. Everyone's lovely and friendly as hell, and everyone wants to party with you and have the best time in the world. Yeah, yeah, so chilled. Everyone and like everyone's riding bikes and it's just just relaxing stuff. Um, so I just love going there as well as for the <laughs> going and having some legal fun as well. Um, yeah. So I went. I we were actually in the gay district in Amsterdam, which is just by the red light district. And I we were inside of this bar. Bear in mind that Dutch gay bars are probably not like gay bars in many other places. They're extremely friendly. Like you want to go into these places because they're like everyone's like having a great time everyone's fun um and generally it's it's not the kind of place where you get british guys that are drunk and <laughs> up, up for causing trouble so and we were with um a few other affiliates and stuff from the igb conference anyway and craig's in there um with carl as i said and, and you got no sorry uh, you, you guys had just come out of being in there um and that's when we were like we need to get some food but everyone's a bit everyone's a bit fucked everyone's a bit so i think it was gareth who said we should get the cake Totally my idea to put magic mushrooms on top of this cake. <laughs> I will accept responsibility for that one. Um, because we went, because next door to this coffee shop was a, a, um, a, a huge mushroom sign. Like it's a gigantic red and white mushroom. And me and Gareth, who were, I say we were sober, we weren't that sober at all, um, saw this sign and we were like, wow, <laughs> let's go into the shop. <laughs> So uh, we've gone in there and we're like, and the lady's got all these boxes of truffles and shrooms and stuff. And um, she's like, what do you want? And we're like, what's the ones that taste the best? So like, we've got some chocolate covered truffles here. 
So I was like, okay, we'll pick these up. And me and Gareth got this cake, put all these truffles on top, all these magic mushroom truffles on top of this cake, handed it over to Craig and Carl, and uh, I think the rest is history after that, basically. It was, it was a really good night, I'll be honest. But was, yeah. when I look back, I'm just like, I don't normally have the energy or the... Crazy. No, yeah, they, they do give you like crazy amounts of energy. So I, uh, I, I, will, I will say like, um, if you want to go and find yourself, <laughs> go and experiment and try these things that have been like demonized. Because bear in mind, when I was at school and probably when you were at school, they made magic mushrooms out to be like the devil. Like, <laughs> you're going to take these things and want to kill yourself and jump off a bridge and do all this. And like, realistically, you're like, just uncontrollably laughing and like having the best time of your yeah. life and like dancing around yeah. a gay bar pouring beer over your head like crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly wasn't a want to kill myself or kill anyone or anything like that. Yeah, it, exactly. was a, it was so, a yeah, Amsterdam is just like the place to go to try try all these things that one time you want to go a bit crazy. Um, and it's and it, I might say the people and stuff are really open and friendly and honest. And um, I, I just yeah, that was probably the one of the funniest and best SEO events we've ever had. Realistically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I miss I miss the old SEO events, and that has been a killer for me this year. And um, just not yeah, out and. Well, Chiang Mai is supposed to be um, and not even a month from now, so yeah. It was, yeah. So it's a bit, it's a bit of a shame, and especially this year is supposed to be the biggest year ever. Matt had twelve hundred seats or something available for Chiang Mai this year, which is huge, which is insane. Um, so it is a real shame that all the events have been cancelled this year. But hopefully, we'll be able to have bigger and better versions next year with everyone. Everyone's bottled up, pent up energy. <laughs> yeah, to, exactly. Stuff, yeah, next year. But before we do wrap up, um, I've had guys like you, I've had Holly Starks on, I've had various other people who I would consider to be in the black hat side of things or no understand the black hat side of things. Um, now, this doesn't have to, be, have to be one of your tricks, but what is the dodgiest black hat trick you've seen work? Whether it works now or not is irrelevant. I know you're not going to give anything that actually works but what is the dirtiest thing you've ever seen when it comes to black hat and the only reason i'm asking is every black hat person i get on here i want to know what the dirtiest thing they wear and to give you an example holly stark said um uploading um uh, a clear overlay over someone's image on uh, their gmb like a, you know upload a dildo or whatever that they can't they, the human eye can't see and then reporting it um gets the GMP <laughs> team down. Um, so yeah, what what are you saying? Yeah, to that? I, I think the other dodgiest one I, I have is from Holly. Um my personal <laughs> dodgiest one. The, the the one from Holly I'll start with though is um her cookie stuffing one where she would basically um no matter what page you were loading onto, she would forcibly inject her Amazon cookie and ClickBank cookie and share herself cookie and everything, all of her affiliate cookies into your browser. So it would be as if you had a 60 day tracking cookie from her mm -hmm. on all of these platforms. So anything that you bought off these platforms for the next six days, she would get a commission off, which is just crazy. Um, and ingenious before they stopped it with some browser technology. Um, but I would say from my side, I was actually talking about this trick that I didn't even um, believe in until I ran an experiment myself. Um, I was talking about it in Traffic Think Tank 
which is um, a group with uh, Matthew Barbie, Nick Eubanks, and Ian Howells. Um, it's a really good community. It's premium, but it's probably the best premium community out there um, for SEO. And uh, basically, I'd seen in an affiliate SERP, um, so part of the analysis that I do when I'm analyzing affiliate SERPs is I have a tool that shows me the top 10 results, um, full meta title, their word count, outbound links, um, on-page internal links, all this kind of data just from a glance so that I can basically go and say, okay, the first page has uh, a 78 meta character, meta, uh, 78 character meta title, it's too long. This is what it is from the Google results. And I can see there's 80 outbound links on the page. There's uh, 200 words, blah, blah. Um, and this site kept on popping up ranking, but my tool was saying that it only had like 120 words on page, but it was ranking across this niche pretty well for like multiple things. And I was like, how is, how is it that every other site or every other page in these SERPs has like 3,000 words, 2,000 words, 4,000 words, but these pages only have 120 words. And I'm, and because that's, that's not physically possible, right? To be able to rank content. Um, so I loaded the pages on and I was like, oh, my tool's bugged. There's actually content on this page after all, um, because there's loads of content on this page and it looks totally normal. Um, so I go back and I reload my tool um, and I'm like, right, what the fuck is wrong? Now it's now it's my coding. Now there's something wrong with my side. Um, and maybe it's like JavaScript is like stopping my uh, crawler from like reading the pages stuff or whatever, something's going on here. Um, so I, went back to the page and viewed the page's source and was very shocked to see that all of this content, there was headers, there was H2s, but beneath the content that was uh, words, this was just a copy, a screenshot of someone else's content. Oh man. So they screenshotted somebody else, another person's blog post and just stuck all of these screenshots in between these H2s, but they're, they're just screenshots of words. Yeah. So Google's image bot is processing this con like this images into the words, but then somehow not putting it through Google's own indexer or Google's own algorithm processor. And then it's showing up with, um, and then it's actually using this content as unique content, even though it's a competitor's blog post. <laughs> and bear in mind, every page on this site had the exact same setup. There was like very few pages that had any actual content on the site. And they were other, they were like, it wasn't just one blog as well, it was like various other sites. So they actively gone out and copy and paste all this information over. Um, so I was just astounded that the Google, and bear in mind, this was like a few months ago. So this isn't, this isn't even like happening 10 years ago. This is yeah. like very recent and like actively probably still a technique that can be used. Um, and I was thinking about how this could be used, right? So you could theoretically make a site, um, put it through the sandbox, make sure it ranks, make sure it's all good to go, and then you can put the real content on it and then make it really rank. But you don't have to pay for the initial content. You can just copy someone else's and screenshot it. So, like, so that's probably the, uh, one of the dodgiest ones and one of the most, maybe not the dodgiest, but just the most, wow, that actually fucking works. Kind of like, what? Yeah kind of one. Um, so that was astounding to me. And a lot of the TTT guys, so the Trafficking Town guys who I was um, in the Slack channel, they were like, wow, you know, another guy had seen something similar two years prior, um, but had never ran his own test. Um, I started running my own tests, but I won't reveal the details in here to, <laughs> to that one. Um, they worked 
<laughs> so screenshotting capacitive content worked. Um, but the uh, <laughs> so it's a pretty pretty crazy technique. So I think that was probably the 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 weirdest one, at least of this year, um, that has happened. Yeah, and you know that's people are just going to rip the piss out of that now and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and get no worries, that. Guys. But, uh, nah, people never take action. So, but um, for anyone who does want to to still talk to you, is it only your Twitter? Is that the best place to get a hold of you? Um, yeah, I'm on like I'm on Twitter daily. I'm on nothing else daily. Like that's it, really. Um, I'm going to start doing some YouTube stuff again once I've done all my Gumroad courses because I have a, a product roadmap, like I said, of. Um, basically having everything within SEO that you want to learn, being able to be on my Gumroad profile so I can teach you the entirety of SEO. Um, but once I've done that, that's when I want to start hitting YouTube again because whilst I dislike the blogging side of things um, anymore, like I'm kind of done with blogging. I did one blog post through the day in the first time in a year. Um, it's nearly 6,000 words. It's a review of Ryan Stewart and Nick Eubanks, two courses, basically comparing them against each other. Um, and that took me like three weeks, four weeks to put out um, just because I didn't have the motivation to do it. And I was delaying it and, and um, other stuff was going on. So I, I and whereas YouTube, I actually find it pretty easy to do the videos um, and I have a lot of ideas for video. And I, I quite like this kind of format. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably going to. But the, the main way to contact me is Twitter. Um, my DMs are open. So if you have a Twitter profile, you can DM me. Get him on Twitter. The link will be below to his Twitter as well. Um, and as I say, have a look at the Gumroad stuff that Charles has got. And as he says, he's going to be adding a lot more. And also check out your £100 bonus with ODYA's Global. But um, yeah, that is an hour and one minutes long. Um, and it's actually flown in. I think there's a lot of knowledge there. It's actually one of the longer podcasts I've ever done, but we could probably sit and talk for like fucking five hours just chatting shit about it. You know, that, you know we've only scratched the surface there, but it's good to see you back uh, on video and uh, hopefully, you know, you're you're coming back to YouTube and keeping us all up to date with some of the some of the stuff that you're doing because I think anyone will agree. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff you put out is good, solid information and, and that is the type of person that you know, I personally like to to learn from and uh, yeah so guys give Charles a follow on Twitter check out his courses um, if you're not yeah. <laughs> you're, you're missing out on the big trick so believe me um, but yeah thank you very much for coming on mate it's been a pleasure yeah thank you for having me man as well thank you for you know, oh,